Hello, Clicktcasters, and thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today I have two guests on. It's my good friend Benjamin Contreras and old... Well, they're both old friends of mine, but... And old comedian pal, Forrest Kelly. And we get into gene splicing, a little bit about our culture and where we came from as far as uh, our ancestry and the lineage of Neanderthal versus Homo sapien, and some other fun and wacky stuff. So enjoy the episode. Ben, Ralph, can you hear me? Do you hear me? Yes, clear. Thanks. Just waiting for Forrest, my buddy Forrest, to jump in. He's the Forrest, <laughs> Forrest Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> He's the CRISPR madman. CRISPR fucking madman. Yeah, he's the, the inventor of the big dick baby uh, theory. <laughs> I'm actually excited to hear about that. I know. Uh, should be a fun episode. I'm, I'm really excited, too. <laughs> what do you think about it, though? I think that, uh, yeah, if people can't even take wearing a mask, I can't even imagine what they would do to their own genes to make them superior. <laughs> like yeah, it's just weird, man. That's a weird thing to do. Um, like, uh, what, last year there was a Chinese scientist who created twins out of a Petri dish and they were born, supposedly. And they're the first gem- genetically modified human beings and they will never get uh, AIDS or HIV. <laughs> that sounds super sketchy. Yeah, um, and then there's like a lot of ethics questions that are popping up around like, should we be doing this? Like, is this truly safe? Um, so. Yeah, it'll be really fun to pick his brain because he actually bought the genetic splicing gear. Nice. Yeah, you yeah. like how he's like cut off pieces and shit. Yeah. The skin, splice them. So. Where is Happens. he? At? Where was that? Where's he at? I don't know. Uh, did you have to make a what's it called? A, an account. I didn't, like it, the email was optional, but I just had to put my name and then just join. Yeah, he should be able to connect onto here. I think you can have multiple guests. I've never had more than two people on a, on a podcast through the phone like this. See if he joins and then send me an invite after he joins. So I I sent, uh, I sent both you guys the same text message, like the same link, uh, here, yeah, let's hop off real quick, and then um, have him I'll... see if I can join because, yeah, that, that's that obviously that'd be better than just me and you talking bullshit. <laughs> okay, hold on one sec. I'm gonna redo it. Forest. What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good to talk to you again. I know, it's been a while. How you been? I've been all right. How about yourself? Good, good. Let me see. I'm trying to get... Can you hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you crystal clear, man. Awesome, awesome. I'm good, all man. Right. I'm just working, working and shit, you know, same old, same old. You're still... up, oh, Benjamin, are you on the call? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Forrest, meet Ben, my buddy Ben, and Ben, this is Forrest. <laughs> 
What's up, Forrest? What Forrest up, man? Kelly. The man, the legend. The legend. Oh no. I don't know. I was telling you I was telling you uh, big dick babies <laughs> thing. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. That is that is what I'm probably most known for in the comedy realm. <laughs> But um, so, yeah, I'm glad that we're doing this. Uh, thank you guys for both coming on. I, I've been looking into CRISPR a little bit because um, I saw this article about how this Chinese scientist had successfully been able to create twins out of a Petri dish and that they were genetically never going to get HIV or AIDS. So I started looking into CRISPR. Where did that start for you, Forrest? Um. So actually, I just sent you a, I sent you a link to a video, uh, this Kurzog video. He, he explains it, but I, I, I'm not exactly sure the first time I heard about uh, CRISPR gene editing. It, it was a long time ago. Uh, I, I originally, you know, heard about it in like 2015, 2016. Um, so I mean, it's been four years, and I was actually just seeing if there was were any uh, recent, um, you know, updates on it. But um, I, I heard about that story that you were talking about. That, that guy got a ton of shit because he, uh, he wasn't supposed to be doing that, right? Well, it was deemed unethical, apparently. Yeah, well, he didn't tell anyone. Like, he was just like, and he didn't even tell the parents that uh, he was yeah. doing that for the kids. Uh, yeah, that's not shady as fuck. <laughs> that's not something rock. I was like, it's kind of fucked up, man, if you think about it, to be honest. Hey. Well, that guy, yeah, that guy got in a ton of, ton of trouble. Because uh, he pretty, he, he, like the the parents were like they, they were like commoners. They were kind of kind of dumb people. So, um, from what I, from what I, from what I picked up from it, like he kind of tricked them into this, uh, this this experiment that he wanted to run, where he was going to make these kids that could never get HIV, um, and but you know, it, it, it kind of fucked up because part of their like I, I don't remember exactly the details on it, but. Part of the cell, the, part of their cells switched over to where they couldn't get HIV. The other ones didn't, and and their key can't quite remember, but it was something to do with um, HIV. Remember, but um, yeah, that guy, that guy is it's a very interesting story. You should definitely check it out. You, um, you you actually bought the CRISPR, right? You bought the the editing software. No, 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 no. Um, I got the twenty three and Me. That little DNA, oh. <laughs> DNA deal. I had sworn, dude, that I that you had told me that you actually bought like the gear for the CRISPR stuff. I, isn't it like four hundred bucks online? No, you, you, I think you might be thinking about the twenty three and me. I don't think you could buy CRISPR technology. It's like it's not. It, yeah, it's not even. It's not even out yet. I mean, they're they're, they're just they're just testing that stuff on. That sounds know, super cheap. Rat, yeah, rats right now. I think you're talking about like the twenty three and me ancestry shit. Well, I, cause I was looking into it this morning, and uh, so apparently in 1974, they were able to get uh, mice from it, and then they did tomatoes in 94, I believe, 1997. They were able to do uh, genetically modified, you know, tomatoes and stuff, and now they're finally getting into that arena of, like, people and, you know, eliminating diseases and, like, the war between bacteria and virus. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you uh, watched that video on Kurzog? I believe. Kurzog, have you have you ever heard? It's like the YouTube channel Kurzog in a nutshell. Yeah, it was like a 16 minute long video, kind of explaining what CRISPR is and how it's being used. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That 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 was the one that I um that I actually I was just listening to it just to kind of recap on what CRISPR was. But 
Yeah, man, they've been doing it for, they, they, you said they've been doing it since the early 60s, uh, trying to modify. As soon as we figured out what, you know, that we that we could tr- uh, modify DNA, we've been trying to do it. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's where we get all these big ass tomatoes from, and, you know, avocados that don't go bad for weeks and, and stuff like that. Uh, if you had, <laughs> if you were able to be like a mad scientist in this realm, uh, what would you do with that technology other than the, the BDBs? <laughs> well, I mean, I think the big dick babies would be top priority because <laughs> why not? Um, but I don't know. I mean, well, the, 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 what's, cool, what's cool about it is, I mean, you can, you can pretty much design your babies however you want, you know, so you could have, you know, you can make your baby super smart and you can make your baby super handsome or super beautiful or like whatever the hell you wanted to do if you wanted your baby to be a you know um a gymnast i don't know you could like program your baby to have like the natural characteristics of a, of a gymnast and, and we're going to be able to cure cancer so i mean there's all these amazing things that would be able to happen if i was a if i was a mad scientist yeah you know, outside of the big, big outside of the big 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 dick babies i don't know what else I mean, it just seems like there's, just, I mean, there's just so much amazing stuff that's going to happen. I don't, I don't, I can't really think of anything else. Well, what are the possible downsides of this though? I mean, we have to look at both sides of the fence. I mean, there's of course like hundreds and hundreds of possibilities for a potentially better future, but uh, let's say this got into the wrong hands. <laughs> I would say the first thing that comes to mind is ego. You dumb parents. Yeah. You know, dumb parents that want to like, you know, they, 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 maybe they get a little bit, you know, like, you know, those guys that freaking, they, they, they drive around in those stupid ass pimped out fucking Honda Accords yeah, and shit. Super you know? shit. Like, Shut <laughs> up. They're going to they're gonna like, they're going to like deck their kids out and then their kids are going to be like, what the fuck, what the fuck is my parents, what are my parents thinking? He's like, check Why him out like Check my kids. What'd you do to me? <laughs> uh... Yeah, that's 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 true. I, I I think like something that would be devastating is like, what if we made like a the perfect intellectual, right? Like the smartest person on earth. How long until that person just takes over? <laughs> well, I mean, so if you gotta think of someone created, if someone wanted to make their baby the smartest person on earth, there's probably somebody else who did that. So then you have all these like super intelligent kids running around or, or when they grow up to be adults and then you know what's stopping them from taking over the world um other genius kids <laughs> they're like little mini superheroes <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean the, the 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 playground is going to be leveled i mean i i, I bet at like first X-Men. CRISPR technology is going to be super expensive right because i mean it's almost like i think once we kind of figure out crispr i don't know this is kind of a stretch i think we'll be able to live forever right because i mean if we can if we can manipulate genes and um you know how long before we can you know pretty much just like stay, not, not die anymore i mean i think elon was elon musk was talking about it but there's really nothing stopping us from from living forever it's just figuring out the problems and i think maybe this crispr thing once we kind of figure that out it'll be you know along, along that route but i mean if you if everyone's living forever and we're all you know super genius intelligent you know beings with like robots in our brains like i don't know it's gonna be crazy the world's gonna be insane 
What were you gonna say, Ben? No, I was just I was just agreeing with him. I was just throwing in some commentary. What he was saying. Uh, for so, sure. Yes. Yeah, no, it would be fucked up. It'd be crazy. <laughs> Wouldn't it have like a butterfly effect though? Like once we change the genealogy of one human being, like during the the reproduction cycle, like won't at one point a human stem from like a genetically perfect person? So I guess that's what you're saying about like the living forever thing. But isn't that like getting rid of cancer to become cancer? Because like pretty much cancer is a disease that your immune system can't fight and it replicates and replicates because it doesn't want to die off to the point where it kills the host. Wouldn't we do that to the earth? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we already have we, we definitely eight billion. We, we yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I just I just finished his book *Sapiens*, and it's pretty much the the point of the book is like we're the biggest just like Earth destroyers ever. I mean, humans just you know every every technological advancement we've ever made has just like made the Earth worse, and. Um, and we're in this huge technology boom and it's not near being done yet and what's going to happen to the earth after this and, and yeah so i think that's why i think super smart people like elon he's so set on going to mars because he realizes that our time on earth is is kind of limited uh i don't see that's where i'm like kind of speculative i i really don't know if elon thinks that we're all going to make it to mars i think he's trying to open up the dialogue of like we need to get out of here you know <laughs> but like yeah i don't think we're gonna make it at this time but eventually we will make it yeah and with neural link sure. neural link he was saying like you know if we do create this si right like sentient intelligence that's artificial in the sense that it, it's mechanical um then yeah like just in the same sense that like you know we became homo erectus and kind of left off that last part and just continued onward without it like technology at one point might be able to do that so he's trying to find a way that we can as he puts it go along for the ride (laughs) (laughs) yeah good one (laughs) like that rough uh, but in that book, yeah. Sapien, you were talking to me yesterday about how you came up with a theory while you were really stoned about how, what was it again? Uh, it kind of refreshed me on the. So, so ne- I think, uh, so, so Neanderthals were extinct. Um, everyone, the theory is that Neanderthals went extinct, um, right around the time Hobo Sapiens kind of like started coming around and taking over the world. And, and, right. uh, Apparently, there's like two percent of the population that has uh, Neanderthal genes, and a lot of them are from Europe and stuff. But um, the way the way the Neanderthals lived, they were more. Um, it's a very the, 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 it's very interesting because they're like they were all like hunter gatherers. They didn't have civilizations and farms and shit, so they were just kind of moving around, and hunting and gathering. Um, and and for the longest time, we thought they were these super like rudimentary civilizations and kind of dumb and they really didn't have much you know ways of communication and stuff but um what, what the, the sapiens book talks about is it's not really the case like, that what happened is um they just didn't keep record of any of that shit like they were just living life you know they were they, they weren't um you know basically the sapiens book talks about how they the neanderthals were just much happier than uh, the Homo sapiens, because Homo sapiens wanted to live in these like dirty towns and farm and live off this live off of like you know non nutritious wheat and stuff like that, and so they they 
kind of had like shittier lives. Whereas the Neanderthals, they hunted and gathered. They ate like, you know, freaking whatever they caught and whatever they gathered, and and they just they were healthier and um, and happier according to the Sapiens book. Um, and then what happened was these homos sapiens just kept moving <laughs> in and multiplying by you know the you know like rabbits and shit they're just fucking and creating these huge civilizations and and pretty much just kind of took all the resources from the neanderthals to the point where the neanderthals kind of started to die off and and the the ones that did remain ended up you know uh fucking the homo sapiens and so now we have you know neanderthal genes in our in some of us but um what made me think that like comedians uh, were, were you know, maybe maybe we have more we, maybe we have more Neanderthal than other people is because uh, I think like the Neanderthals had they lived in smaller groups and I think they were they, they didn't they tended to not minded to be uh, alone as much um, and, and maybe they were socially awkward and um, so I, I kind of think like Neanderthals is like the weird kid or the outcast or, or the comic huh. you know um, and uh, I don't know if there's any. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not educated enough to even make that. Uh, it doesn't. I, it probably has no correlation. Um, but um, I just thought about that. I thought, be, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I mean, you could potentially be very right. Like, their comics at least up until COVID, I thought were very tribalistic and like kind of kept their own tribe. You know. Um, well, we did. Yeah. Yeah all in their own group and even in the even in the amongst the comics the comics would group up you know so and yeah groups i've never comics. met a, mo- a more socially awkward group of human beings especially when they're together <laughs> yeah they're they're, they're fine yeah. they're, up, they're on the stage but if you put all of them in a group you know it's like <laughs> what do we talk about what do we say what do we do <laughs> yeah pretty much how but, do i human again the but the Neanderthals not keeping records. What about cave paintings? Cave, cave. Was that was that Homo sapien or was that? I'm not exactly sure. I think I think cave paintings is Neanderthal. That is like the that is like the stuff that we do have left over from them. Um, but have you ever heard of like Go Gogleki Tepi? Or I can't pronounce it right. But um, he was on the Rogan. This guy. Uh, Graham Hancock talks about it on the Rogan podcast, but that that was like one of the first civilizations um, that they found, and it was like this huge church or you know worshiping place that was kind of like um, Stonehenge. And these huge stones were you know brought to this place, and they built this place for worship. And uh, huh. it was the first time they ever found uh, something like this that was actually built by hunters and gatherers, like Neanderthals. Um, wow. And, and it, what's 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 crazy about it is previous to that we didn't think that hunters and gatherers could could do that sort of thing because we thought that was only what civilizations could do you know large towns and you know with massive amounts of cooperation um we didn't think that the hunter gatherers could do that but um apparently they could and they did and they built gogleki tepi um but like i said you know they, they they were even before the homo sapiens so they're they're sold a lot of the stuff that they were using like their tools and stuff they, they call it the iron age but a lot of it was wood and and stuff that would have um, you know been destroyed over time 
And so that, and, and also the fact that they didn't really keep a lot of records. Like, there is cave paintings, I think. Like I said, I'm, I don't really know a ton about this. It's just like, you know, what I picked up. Oh yeah, me neither, man. I'm not an archeologist, but <laughs> you know, it's fun. Yeah, to... well, just people, if anyone's listening and thinking like, oh, Forrest is, knows all this shit. I, uh, I mean, you know more than probably the commoner, you know, like than someone who's not interested. <laughs> the commoner. So I guess the commoner is a non-reader in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> also sounds like to me, a non-reader. I but uh, I would I would say you're right. What's interesting about what you're saying is is that. Uh, also, and like I, like we're saying here, I'm not an archaeologist. I, I don't know this for a hundred percent fact, but I do remember seeing that uh, there were hints that the Neanderthals would bury food and sentimental values with their dead because they were speculative that they might need it in the. So they believed yeah. somewhere that you go beyond life, which is super interesting for people who you know barely. I think it's pretty smart. Yeah. But there was something yeah, inherent yeah. within them. Yeah. Well, I think we're finding out they were, they were a lot more conscious than, were, than we think when we originally thought they were. Maybe they were less conscious than we are right now. Like, well, they were more conscious than we are, but we're less conscious, if that makes any sense. I sound like an idiot. But <laughs> no, it's you know not far fetched. Yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't like, make sense. That's kind of what like they like, they they weren't that smart, but they were still smart. Well, I think the point you're making, Ben, is that I mean they could at least coexist with their environment where we're actively exactly. destroying it every yes, day. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. At least somebody could help me out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. I was actually thinking about um, as they didn't destroy the. Um, the environment like the homo sapiens the homo sapiens came in and they you know they would create these huge you know farms that would you know they brought in culture <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean even uh, all the gather societies have culture um everyone has culture you know they we just brought in this farming this farming this mass city culture that well that was the first industrial revolution was agriculture yeah exactly um, I do you think that maybe why they were so conscious and able to live off the land has something to do with Terence McKenna's stoned ape theory? Mushrooms. Mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I love Are mushrooms. They, yeah. hey, um, I don't know. Come, I mean, what, okay, I what was that then? What? <laughs> I think Ben might have been. Uh, might Ben might have a bad connection. Ben, can you hear us? Yeah, there you go. Lost you for a second. Okay. <laughs> that was because I was leaving the house. Nice. Um, yeah. So I think me and me and my uh, my roommate Vince were talking about this yesterday about how like at some point the primates you know uh whether it was the changing of a geographic region 
Um, they ended up in a place where psilocybin mushrooms were readily available to them and they would consume them, which gave them the cognitive ability to create tools like the wheel or like to simulate fire. And then with that, they were able to hunt and get meat, which had the amino acids to grow their brains to be larger. And then we evolved kind of from that. And then the, like the Neanderthals were like the end of that cyclical pattern uh, from primate to Neanderthal. And then once they started reproducing with Homo sapiens. But what I don't understand is how did Homo sapiens and Neanderthals be two separate groups at the same time? Well, so Homo sapiens come from like Africa, from what I picked up from the sapiens book, and Neanderthals kind of come from like Northern Europe. And so when the Homo sapiens crossed the, you know, the Great Africa, Bridge, yeah. Up to the north, they found these Neanderthals. And apparently, uh, from the book, the book says they learned a lot from the Neanderthals. The Neanderthals had learned how to live in this cold environment and had created. Yeah, because the Ice Age, these, right? Yeah, yeah. That, and, and, and so they were just used to living in a more. Um, you know, harsh environment. And so the, the Homo sapiens actually picked up a lot from them. So they were just from different areas. Um, you know, they were just different species, slightly different, like, you know, just like, you know, us and chimpanzees. They, they just got a weird shaped head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, know, I know a lot of comics with weird shaped heads. Simplify it. <laughs> Uh, so that that was yeah because like everything froze on the planet so it made us be able to travel to places that we weren't able to travel before and it kind of merged these two societies together to create a new society yeah and the, and the homo the homo sapiens kind of just took everything over and uh, you know we're good at that the resources. <laughs> yeah. it's all mine mine <laughs> But yeah, that's, I mean, uh, I think that there's a lot to say for what you're saying there about comedians, because we are kind of very in this society that we live in. A lot of people think comedians like the last truth, or like the people that are even though we're really awkward. <laughs> okay, okay, I hear you. Yes, man, I think, um, well, like you kind of see comedy. There's a certain group of people that are very just like, well, to go with the flow of society. The nine to five, retire when they're 65, they have a family. Um, they do all that stuff because culture kind of programmed to do that. But I think um, Neanderthals kind of have a, have a more of a tendency to, to rebel against fuck that. It. Uh, fuck it. You know, we, 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 we kind of want to. We want to forge our own path like we're, we're hunters we're, we want to you know we want to provide for ourselves yeah innovators in a way yeah so i think that i mean we're all all of us on this uh, podcast right now are psychedelically hip or hip if you want to call it that uh <laughs> and i mean i know that for me hip? huh hip you say hip <laughs> Hip, a hop, a hippity, a hippity hop. Psychedelically hip. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and sure. and uh, I think that a lot of my development, as far as consciousness goes, is due to stuff like mushrooms and uh, psychoactive chemicals that expand the consciousness in the brain. Where would you say that like comedians fit on the spectrum of people who are able to do that without even the psychoactive comp compounds? 
just, just like get really conscious about without without the psychoactive compounds. Well, I think in general, as observers, yeah. Well, I think in general, like you know, whoa, whoa. what made me weird as a kid was I was just very self-conscious. I was always in my head thinking about my impact on things, and um, and as I got older and I got into smoking weed and doing psychedelics i think that doubled down on my ability to kind of like sit in my head and think about things and at huh. first it was it was even more scary because that was really scary growing up and always kind of didn't like social situations because i was just too worried about that's how i was and that's, being it's perceived because you're from vegas which is a very social atmosphere <laughs> yeah but i'm not i'm not from vegas i grew up in i grew up in the middle of nowhere like we have my parents have three acres. We don't have power. My um, graduating class had 26 kids in it. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, my high school had a hundred kids in it. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, sorry to cut you but, off, but as you're saying about the observer. Yeah. yeah and so oh, I just think um, baby comics tend to be that way. Uh, that we just tend to be more self-conscious and aware of ourselves Ben but no uh, no man there's a, there's a, there's a lot of comics i know that are not that no self awareness that's a very true also uh do you guys remember your first memory ever as a conscious human being like uh let's start with Ben do you remember your first memory <laughs> no actually you know what i do <laughs> what and was it it wasn't from my perspective it was from somebody else's hmm could you explain remember, a little bit? <laughs> I remember being, yeah, I, I remember being in the living room in Heinz Beach, and where we always used to like put like the crystal tree and everything, and I was like on like like the side like where the couches were and everything, and I remember looking through the shades of uh, aviators, but like they were yellow, like yellow shaded. Looking at myself. That's my first memory ever, and I will never forget it. What about you, Forrest? I was just thinking about that. First memory. I think I remember I got pulled into a canal in Arizona when I was like, oh, I was young enough to be riding in a stroller. So. Um, I don't know, like two, three years old. Um, and we had this dog, this like pit bull, and my mom would tie the pit bull to the stroller and she was jogging along the canal. The dog saw a bird in the canal and ran off after it pulled me into the canal. Oh. And the canal's pretty much like a deep man-made river and it was flowing pretty fast. But I remember kind of just bobbing in the water and like, you know, when you're kind of going up uh, above the surface and below the surface and you, you know, and you're like gasping, in the water. but like still. Yeah, you know, I remember doing, at the same time. Yeah. yeah, I remember, I remember doing that. And that was like my first memory. Wow. Uh, I think I have two, I'm not sure which came first. Yeah, two first memories. 
Yeah, I'm not sure which came first, but I have two vivid memories of when I was like two years old. One is uh, me falling off the top of a slide and breaking my nose and not being able to breathe. And then the other is me walking out into the middle of a hallway and realizing I'm alone. And then my family was in the kitchen downstairs, heard me crying and came up and ran to get me. And then I asked my mom about it and she was just like, yeah, both of those happen when you're two. I'm not sure which one happened first. And so it's like interesting to me. I always think that that is the, cause I mean, I, I kind of see the first year of, or first couple years of life as being like an avatar, you know? Like you're just kind of this, this protoplasm jelly all put together in this figure. And then until you have a conscious thought, you're not really here. So what do you do? Like, you wait. <laughs> like, well, obviously, but what I'm saying is, like, we have these memories, but they're not memories of our actual memories. But are they? You know what I mean? Like, are they our actual memories? Well, perception like, itself is subjective, but I mean, I think that a lot of my abandonment issues and a lot of the issues that I have with fear stem from those two memories. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, it kind of set up the archetype of the person I was going to be. Like, um, you know, uh, I, 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 that's what I think is when I look back on why those memories stick out and why I'm 26 and it, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was something that was so yeah. traumatic that it imprinted in your brain as the first thing of true experience. Yeah. Well, let's say you're for, you know, the first seven years of your life is when you kind of like your most malleable um things like that will can have a huge impact on your life i wonder so just johnny depp here, here a moment. <laughs> it's back country <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I got my little uh, fly sweater <laughs> uh but yeah, like that's why I think it's really interesting to look at the psyche of people and the life that they ended up living and then relating it back to their first memory. And I wonder if we could go back and read the record of these pianos called uh, of the first imprint that they had to experience and contract. You kind of broke up a little bit. Yeah, you oh, I was just trying to say that. Uh, it would be interesting to see that with Neanderthals, to see what was their first memory and what was the conclusion of that species. Yeah. Well, we, we know we know for a fact that you're you're pretty much programmed. Like we're not, you know, as much as we say we have free will and we want to sit, you know, want to want to think that we have, we have our own thoughts. And I, we're kind of programmed by our culture. Um, and I would think it would be the same for the, the Neanderthals. Um, they were born into a certain culture and thus were programmed by it. And so, you know, their first memory, probably something similar to ours, you know, it's probably something traumatic. Because I think we tend to mem remember the traumatic things um, or the super happy things, right? We, we want to, there's this theory that we remember the, the highs and the lows. Um, mm. And uh, and so I think that's a lot. Maybe that's, I think that's a big reason why we our, our first memories tend to be something really good or something really bad. 
uh, I think it goes along with what Ben was saying. Like, so what do we do with it? This information? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I look up a lot of useless. So I look up a lot of useless information. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we just, you know, we trip out on how crazy life is and how some of us have Neanderthal in us. Some people don't. Yeah. So if we're in a pickle as a culture right now, does our past have anything to do with where we are now? I don't think so. Of course. The past, is, the past is always affecting the future. So I guess, like, so what do we do with the information? How we, can we fix the culture to make uh, You broke up a little bit toward the end. But um, as far as fixing the culture, um, I don't know, man. That's not my job. I don't really know if the culture needs to be fixed. I think there are certain cultures that are good. There are certain cultures that are bad. It's kind of like everything. There's a, there's a mix of every, There's a mix of good and bad everything in between and it's kind of what you make of it i like that a lot. very unique perspective what was that i said i like that a lot that's a unique perspective no thank you yeah what was that ralph i said i like <laughs> it a lot <laughs> I like a lot. I like. I didn't. I didn't hear when you said perspective. Sorry. Uh, oh, so. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Force. Oh, I was just. Um, I kind of forgot. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That pretty much. Um, you were like, well, "What are we? What are we gonna do to fix culture?" And I was like, "I don't know if." Um, it's not. I, I, it's not my job to fix the culture, and I don't know if the culture even needs fixing. And I, and I think there's. There's so many different cultures um, that there's these good ones and there's bad ones and there's everything in between, just like everything else. And it's kind of just what you want to make of it and what you choose, which which culture you choose to be a part of. And understanding that, I think the, the key understanding is knowing that you were programmed by the culture that you were brought up into. And, um, and is that what you really want to be? Do you want to be a part of that culture? Do you want to have those same tendencies? And then if you don't, then you need to kind of like, you know, unplug from the matrix, maybe do some mushrooms yeah, or, or something. Yeah, kind of brush off a little bit. You know. So I, like, yeah. I, I got a question for you. So like, what if you don't have a culture? You, you, like you do, obviously, like everybody has a culture, but like, what if you don't have a specific culture and you just actually just believe you're wrong? Like, what do you, what do you think about that? Like, obviously, like, well, sense, you pull your right? culture. You, you, if you, you know, even if you have your own culture, you're pulling it from cultures that you learn. You, you know, you learn from. Culture is just a word that we that we use for how we live. Um, and so, you know, you, you you pick up how you live from your parents and the people that you grew up around, and the books that you read, and the movies that you watch, and the and the culture that I mean, the culture that you choose to be a part of. So it's kind of like I said, it's what you make it um, it's to make your own. That's great, but you also got to realize you're still pulling from other, you know, you know, and yeah, you're pulling from everybody else's. It's truly unique, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that could be said about the counterculture in the 60s, right? You know, they made their own culture to counter the culture that they thought was wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really like that. Culture is what you make it. That's a that's a really cool statement that I don't think I've ever thought or heard from I anyone. I never really thought about that either, to be honest. It kind of, kind of blew my mind. That's why I was like, like, what if you never really had a culture, you know? Because, like, I don't, I don't really follow a culture, but... I guess, like, when I'm with my friends, that is my culture. Yeah, I used to say, well, I, used to I mean, I would say that we call it pop culture. I mean, we can quote every office episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could. <laughs> so that's a form yeah, of exactly. culture. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I used to think something similar like that, Ben, because I, I, I kind of grew up, my, my family's kind of trashy, and my dad's Italian <laughs> and my Serbian, but, like, we didn't really have any, like, my dad wasn't like, Italian guy, like he's a biker, and my and my like a, a mom, I'm construction. We didn't have family, and we, you know, we didn't do all these things families do. So I kind of grew up thinking I really didn't have a culture either. Is that, like I said, culture is just a word that we use to describe how you choose to live, the, the ideas that you choose to believe in. Um, like it's what you make it. You choose what you believe in, and you choose how you live. That is your culture. It's interesting though that we use the word to uh, culture shock, right? For yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, like it could be very like a, like, um, like an Indian who's never been to America, like a, like a guy. Let's say like a guy from Africa, you know part of the forest it's never even seen like iphone comes to uh california comes to huntington beach or, or la you know that's going to be culture shock for him he's like probably never even seen a car right how crazy must it be to be one of those cultures that's living out there as a tribe in the jungle oh that like covid's a thing or anything i mean they're dying left and right anyway probably right and they don't give a shit about covid yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody gives a fuck shit about COVID. I don't even think anybody cares about herpes. A tiger. It <laughs> 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 sounds so fucked. One step at a time, Ben. We got to yeah, solve it one step at a time. <laughs> like, nah, CRISPR could 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 uh, potentially you know be able to cure herpes. Well, there actually is a cure for AIDS too. And... It's called money. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to do it. So. Yeah, that's you arguably that a good point. Yeah. You got that it magic you got that magic Johnson money. That's why I got cash right? everything around me tattooed on my arm. <laughs> Johnson got AIDS Johnson got AIDS in the eighties and he's and he cured it. Yeah, that's crazy. So he's cured of AIDS? Apparently. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I did a little research into it a long time ago, but um, yeah, he uh, he beat it with money. Well, that's what they were saying in that video earlier about CRISPR is that what they could do is they could go into somebody's DNA who has AIDS and just cut it out and then take stuff that is already in their cell structure that could combat the lingering part of it and reintroduce it into their system so they can just shove it all out. 
Yeah. Well, because CRISPR, what's cool about CRISPR, it already happens naturally in our body, and we're pretty much just using our body's own technology. We're programming our body's own technology to to do what it already does. Um, which it's kind of cool that there's a, there's already a CRISPR in us. We just need a program. I like that. Oh, <laughs> so. Because that's what happens when, like, um, cells, you know. Hey, Forrest. What up, now? Can you hear me clearly? Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where we got cut off there, but um, I, was just I don't know. You have to dumb it. Too dumb to explain something. I was saying I was too dumb to explain something. Oh, for sure. Um, Yeah, man. Do you have any other ideas that have been circulating around your head lately that uh, maybe you'd want to talk about? Um. Let's see, man. I've been uh, I've been reading a lot more. Uh, I've had more some more time on my hands, and uh, I don't know. I'm kind of. I've been reading this book. it's Musashi book. It's a samurai novel. Um, hmm. it's, a, it's a fucking big ass book, but it's uh, it's about this guy Musashi, he, and he, and he's basically just trying to like learn the way of the sword and be a samurai, and uh, and through that, he kind of teaches you about life. And and like I've read about a million different fucking self self help books, and they, and they all kind of say the same thing. And it's just cool that this ancient samurai book is talking about the same lessons and stuff that you know still applied to the day and it's all through like samurai stuff and so he's like fighting he's going through these crazy battles and you know it's just like a really cool book yeah they have a really cool etiquette um to the way that they can do conducted battle uh i remember reading this awesome story about how uh, two samurais were selected to go out and fight each other in the middle of nowhere for their villages and the winner would be allowed to come in and you know take over the other village and that oh, yeah. after a course of a couple nights um, after sitting together and talking it through they both realized they both had kids and all this other stuff that they really cared about and decided to just pack up and go home so there's yeah. really cool stuff in that yeah um, a lot of cool geisha Super- stories they're super respectful people and there were a lot of stories like where they would they would they would you know peacefully talk it out but there's also stories of them just like straight fucking going at it like animals um and uh man i got some of this i don't know i'm just gonna find some of this i think some of this these uh i got some of the stuff highlighted in this book i think uh, the last samurai was my favorite tom cruise movie <laughs> <laughs> the last day, right? Uh, it teaches a lot of really like great. respecting the enemy, and then like you know he like becomes integrated in their culture, and then sees like the beauty in it, and decides to fight with them instead of you know destroy them. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I kind of forgot what it was about. Yeah, he gets captured by samurais, and while he's being held captive, uh, they let him roam freely around. And then they start training him like a samurai. 
and teaching them the etiquette of their ways. And then he realizes that they're less barbaric than the people that he came over to fight them with. So he decides to fight against um, the English and to defend the samurai and the Japanese culture because he saw um, the error in the ways of the culture that he was brought up in, in a sense. And it was really cool to see a Westerner completely shift ideology by being immersed in the culture of something that is a little bit more respectful. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, I actually, I remember it now. Now that you described the movie, I, I do remember that. Um, fucking cool. I think the whole samurai culture is pretty awesome. I mean, there's just a bunch of fucking macho machismo dudes that would fucking fight it out, and but they were also like super intelligent, and you know, they were supposed to be very well read, and you know, they studied the art of war, and. Um, you know, this book, this book talks about, um, Musashi's trying to follow the way and, uh, he's trying to, he's trying to, and the way of the sword, but hmm. through that, he's, he learns that like, there's a way to do everything. And the right way to do everything is to do your best, I guess is kind of like <laughs> the, simp the simplest way of saying it. And that's the way, the way is to always do your best, no matter what the way is even if you fail to pick yourself back up and to try again the way is not the easy way the way is the hard way um and that's what the book talks about the, the way yeah that's yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that it's like uh, robert frost's uh, the the path less traveled you know yeah that's the way that's the you way see, man. You, have, have you seen the Mandalor uh, the mandalorian Oh, yes, I have. I'm really actually super bummed that the new season won't be coming out in August like it was supposed to due to, you know, everything going on. But yeah, this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. I love that. Um, ha I, have you been doing comedy? I haven't seen you since the last time we talked outside of Rec Room. Yeah, I haven't done comedy probably since then. Well, I don't even know if I was doing comedy then. I, I um, I got really immersed into disc golf last like uh, year. Um, and uh, to be honest, like I just was spending too much time doing everything, and I had to cut one of them. And I was kind of getting burned out with the whole open mic scene. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> um, and. And I was just kind of burned out on my material too, and I wasn't writing enough. And yeah, I just kind of gave it a break for a while, and it, it felt really good. I think I'm gonna come back once this whole COVID situation chills, if it ever does. Because um, I've been writing, I've I been writing, and I actually, dude, I feel better than ever, man. Like I'm in a place in my life where I just feel, I just feel fucking good, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we just need that reset, you know, to kind of update the systems and start anew. Yeah, yeah, dude. And man, I, I've been playing like I've been playing shit tons of disc golf and just fucking having a ton of fun. So I um, bet you're like a ton better than me now. <laughs> you know what's crazy is like I'm not that much better than like there's this thing with disc golf or even golf. I I started golfing recently too. There's a thing with disc golf where you just like you hit this point of where it's just like, it's hard to get better, you know, you, and I'm there, you know, it's, it's the same, the same thing with comedy. It's like breaking through and, and getting yeah, them to a level of, you plateau at certain points, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's when you need to take the break the most is when you plateau, I think, even like when you lift weights, like if you ever plateau, take, take a couple of weeks off and come back and guarantee you, you'll, uh, you know, that plateau will 
will be easier to overcome. It's just so like, I just felt, you know, like I, I feel like comics feel so locked that it, even if they take two weeks off or a month off, you know, like everyone in the scene is gonna be like, what a quitter and like have this whole negative stigma towards them, which I, I necessarily don't agree with. And it's just like, it's, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I think this whole thing that happened is probably like the best reset button that anyone could hit and just be like, now I don't, I don't have to feel bad <laughs> for taking time off yeah. and really no. just, taking time to work on myself and to have something interesting to write about when I come back. <laughs> hey, dude, dude, I think uh, you hit it on the nail there. Hit it, hit it right on the head there. Um, because I felt it when I, when I thought about originally taking a break, I was like, man, like, I don't want, I don't want to be known as someone who just, I got, who stopped, you know, who quit. Um, but then I quickly realized like, it's stupid to, to worry about what other people think. I mean, they just do, I need to do me but even then you still have those doubts of like it still sucks to just like you know admit it that you're not doing it anymore and then you miss it for a little bit and then you just like you know when you when you break up with a girl like you miss you miss it for a while and then eventually you just you learn to live without it um but i think the the covid thing gave the entire comedy community a break and i'm sure there was a lot of people who needed a break that couldn't do it because they were of social obligations they you know if you don't go to an open mic every night like you're not grinding bro you, <laughs> you're not grinding bro and like how many i would guarantee you there was a lot of people out there that were going out every night not necessarily because they wanted to but because they felt like they had to you know and that's a shitty place to be and so maybe they have some time to kind of to to reevaluate things you know it's weird how it's a tribe but you still have to feel like you have to earn your place every single day like even after you're vetted as a comic, you still have to be out there doing stuff or you're not really a comic. It's like so weird to me. Well, I think that's not true. I think that's what the I think that's what people tell I think that's the I think that's the trick that everyone kinda gets in their head that if you're not constantly, you know, comic and um and maybe maybe it is true. I mean I, I don't I don't have any imaginations that I'm gonna go and be a, a famous comic, but I would still consider myself a comic and, and I could go on a stage right now and fucking tell jokes. I haven't done it in a year, but I'm just taking a, I mean, I'm just taking a fucking break because I want to, you know, and, and it's your life, all, man. You know, and even, even if I, even if I don't come back, I don't come back. But, um, I, I don't think that that idea of, I, I don't think you shouldn't have to keep, you know, proving yourself. And like, I would hope that if I ever hung out around the group that I would be accepted as all, like, as I always was. Um, yeah. I, I mean, those people exist. Mind, mind fuck. Those people definitely exist in the comedy scene. Like there's definitely people who, no matter how often they see you or not, they always treat you with the same respect and same mutual, you know, love. And those are the best, those are the types of people that you want to be around anyway. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want to be around people that, you know, they're only your friends if you're going to comment, going out and doing comedy every night. Those aren't your friends. It's just a weird, a weird yeah. relationship. I, I agree with you, man. Um, so I think we have like about 50 minutes here. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug or anything you want to say to anyone who's listening right now before we wrap it up? Uh, no, man. I just fucking wanted to get on here and talk with you because you're my homie and I haven't talked to you in forever. Um, you're in San Diego, right? Yeah, um, I'm, down here. I'm, uh, I'm in the southern side of it. So, like, I'm in, like, the La Mesa area. 
Okay, yeah, I actually I looked in apartments on La Mesa for a little bit, um, so I'm I'm kind of familiar with the area. I got to make it down there, play some disc golf, and uh, like, if I do, I'll I'll let you know. Um, me and my roommate play, so if you ever want to come down and play, throw some, <laughs> dude, we are super down. Dude, I'll fucking I'm totally down. Show, I'll bring man. some treats too. I got, <laughs> I got some I got some amazing treats. I'd love to, man. Anytime, anywhere. Um, but yeah, dude, it's been really, really great talking to you. This is a really fun conversation. I'll definitely have you uh, come back on again soon. Um, I like to have returning guests who can uh, have a fun dialectic conversation. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Well, uh, yeah, it was good being on, and thanks for having me. And thank fun, you. Have a great day, dude. Yeah, you too, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, let it up. Later. That was another episode of the Eclecticast, and we appreciate you joining in. If you have anything to add or to discuss, uh, argue with what that you heard, if you feel inclined to do so, just download the Discord app, and you can find our Discord server under the Eclecticast, all one word, space, server. If not, you can also find me on Instagram at the underscore Eclecticast. Safe tripping.